Good evening, Vancouver, and welcome to Canucks After Dark with our rock music here on a Wednesday, a rare Wednesday show uh, for us tonight, but it's going to be a fun one. As always, joined by my co-host, Canuck Clay. How are you doing, Clay? I am great, Parker, but probably not in as good as mood as you. That's some pretty pumpy music you got going. What's, what's the inspiration <laughs> tonight? Uh, it was one of the eight options I had for music, and so I picked it. Uh, it seemed pretty sweet. <laughs> Uh, I don't yeah. have my light on. Let's fix that. Whoa, it's the sun. All right. And uh, yeah, so we've got a great show for you. Now. I'll kill the music. Uh, we have this is our trade deadline preview show. The trade deadline is five days away. If you go by hours, it's less than five days because it's at, I think, noon on Monday. Uh, and it's been a bit of a busy day on the trade front. So we're going to talk about some of the trades that happened. I think there was two two main ones and, and what mm-hmm. that might mean. Uh, for the Vancouver Canucks, there was a big contract extension in the NHL that had a bit of a, a, oh. a tweet storm come up with the uh, with JT Miller's agent, which is pretty interesting. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to talk about the big names like Tyler Mott, Brock Besser, some of the names that get floated around. Tyler Myers a little bit, maybe. Um, and our big question for the night, which we'll get to, will be, will anything happen? But we'll get to that. Of course, we're also going to recap the four games quickly because there's so much to talk about tonight. Uh, we'll quickly recap the four games that we haven't talked about. We'll quickly preview the three games coming up before that trade deadline. And yeah, we're going to have a show Monday night after that trade deadline with our 10 hours late reaction to anything that might happen. <laughs> we got a lot. We got a lot. So Parker, because we delayed this by two days because of other stuff going on, the Canucks got four games in. And if I told you at the start of the week that they would go two one and one beating new jersey montreal and losing to washington in extra time in tampa that's that makes a lot of sense they kind of did what we expected them to do i think i think that's what i keep i think i keep predicting like two one and one is kind of my baseline because it's a really easy prediction um because it's the exact trend the team has been on basically um and when they're they have two good teams and two not so good teams they should beat two of them and hope you take one of the other ones to overtime. That's what the Canucks have been doing. It's five out of a possible eight points. Not perfect. That's what, 62.5%. You want to get that a little bit higher where they're trying to push. But the out-of-town scoreboard has, was really nice to the Canucks yes. at times this week. Uh, I don't remember what their playoff odds were last week when we chatted, um, but they are higher now. They are at 27% per the wow. athletic. Um, and I had the uh, the money puck ones here. Playoff odds, Vancouver Canucks, 23% on the Parker, I can't believe the number starts with a two. That's amazing. So call it a clean quarter. Uh, One in four shot for the Canucks to make the playoffs. If you look at betting markets, they're a little bit more favorable to the Canucks. You're looking at uh, like plus 190, so sort of three to one odds Mm -hmm. um, for the Canucks to make it. Or if you're betting against them, it's about uh, three and a half to one. Um, so a little bit more favorable, but the Canucks are, they're in the mix. Um, there's just, they just got to keep doing what they have been doing and hope that teams like Vegas and, and Edmonton falter even more. Yeah. And I know we're going to get into this. Or should we be chasing the third Pacific spot, the second wildcard spot, blah, blah, blah. But before all that, Justin credible, thank you very much for the donation $5. And he says this, the flames want to be the Canucks so badly, they even have to copy the Canucks win over New Jersey by the exact same score of 6-3. Team playoffs, go Canucks. I love it. Thank you, Justin. I didn't even know that. That's fun. Uh, that yes. sucks for the Devils. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they they had to play both goalies again tonight. 
back to back games. That is Nico Dawes, 19 shots, 15 saves. Mm. Uh, they are, they are struggling. Uh, the, the flames keep in mind, the flames need an empty netter for their six, which means the Canucks are better way better than the flames. It's math. Absolutely. It's stats. Yeah. Um, just maybe we'll, we'll, we might not talk about this after Saturday's game, depending <laughs> on how that one goes. Uh, but thank you, Justin, much appreciated. Yeah. Um, so there's so many directions we can go tonight. We can go into the individual players that the Canucks could trade. We could talk about the other trades around the NHL. We can just ignore trades for a while and talk about the last four games and the next three games and and sort of the path to the playoffs. Clay, I'm leaving this in your hands. Whoa, if whoa. this show is terrible, it is your fault. Okay. Uh, based well, on this selection. Like okay. So <laughs> we we are called Canucks After Dark. We got the After Dark part even with the time change. So I think we got to start Canucks. And I think if we quickly recap the four games, because there are some very important games that can lead nicely into previewing next week. And that could be the first half. And then the second half can be all trade talk Canucks and what happened today. How's that sound? Love it. Let's run okay. from the top Wednesday, March okay. 9th, Canucks five Habs three. I watched the eight minute highlight packet of this game and that is it. So I will leave this one entirely with you. Yeah. And actually Wednesday is uh, that's my church night. So I was there. So I also watched the highlight package. <laughs> So what do you this think of the highlight package? One-stop <laughs> one shop for Canucks coverage. Uh, also, it was a week ago, so I don't remember it. <laughs> I'm just even looking at the stats. I'm trying to refresh myself. JT Miller, four-point night. That's great. Yeah, that's Bo Horvat with a goal. Elias Patterson with a goal. Brock Besser with a goal. Travis Hamannick with a goal. Uh, great night from the Canucks. Uh, Thatcher Demko, not his best. Uh, only faced 25 shots, though. As the Canucks uh, basically just outplayed the Habs, which they need to do. Yeah. Uh, oh, and the I Habs remember. are not very yes. good. Two power play goals and Lekkonen got was in in all three Montreal goals. So yeah, Miller had a massive night for us. PD good night and then Lekkonen for them. But yeah, there's there's no doubt. Despite how well they were playing under Martin Saint Louis, there's no doubt that that's a team. That's a game we had to win to start off the road uh, the homestand, and we did. So that's good. I think the fact that neither of us watched it, let's not lie and pretend we know what happened that way. Well. Canucks won. That was Miller's. Well, the crazy thing is that was Miller's tenth game in a row with a point. That okay. was the 10 game mark of the point streak. And it's still going a week later. That takes us to uh, two days later. Mm. Uh, Capitals four Canucks three in overtime. And this was the Kuznetsov game where I think you used the word goof. Uh, <laughs> if I remember <laughs> not, your, your, your video, title my work. Um, <laughs> which I thought was funny. Uh, and this one had a bunch of controversy, um, yeah. right? There was the, there was the first time that I'd ever seen a high stick uh get overturned i didn't know that was even a rule because it was only put in a couple of years ago but if yeah. it's a double minor they can review it but if it's a regular minor they can't which is such a weird arbitrary decision but it is yeah. one that the nhl has made and i'm i don't know how long that'll last take the uh, single take the single and, minor then <laughs> and the concussion protocol gets called into question as kuznetsov takes a hit to the head goes down pretty dramatically you'd think okay well he might be concussed he should come off then he goes and scores um Canucks, you know, hell or got to OT though, and it was a terrible overtime. Um, what were your takeaways from this one? Yeah, I, I, Parker, I was at this game actually, and it was cool because I got to crank the siren at the start yes. of the third period. And uh, you know, Mike and I wanted to think that the the Canucks scoring three goals in five minutes, which is pretty darn exciting to start the third, had everything to do with that. And of course, it had nothing to do with us. But you know what's crazy about this Kunetsov? I call him a goof because not only, not only did he 
did he draw that Tyler Myers penalty or whatever? Maybe he was dazed for a bit, so I, I can't. But yes, then he pops up and he scores his hat trick goal. So that's maddening. But you know what else is maddening? I'm sure for Ovechkin is Ovechkin's shot was going in in the first period. Uh, granted, it was a bang bang play, and Kuznetsov decides to swipe it off the goal line with like that much left, and he gets the goal, robbing Ovechkin of making history inside of Rogers Arena. And it was pretty funny because they didn't know at the time, so they're all jumping in the huddle, all congratulating Ovi. Then we waited with bated breath for the announcement, <laughs> and then it came the second of his night. He was Jenny, Jenny Kuznetsov, yeah, whatever. And and the funny thing there was last night he did get yeah. he did break it and everyone came off the bench last night the mm-hmm. entire capitals roster came off the bench to celebrate yeah. what if that had happened <laughs> at this game that would have been so funny because it, it happens and, and then like you have the coach kind of looking over like looking down at the at the screen is like yes oh koozie got a piece of that guys yeah <laughs> get back here <laughs> um, So true wasn't the case though, but yeah, the, the Canucks did okay here. Uh, the yeah. the weird OT play though, um, yeah. where they tried to win a board battle against Tom Wilson, yeah, kind of an odd decision in overtime. Hey, uh, he's strong and fast, yeah. yeah, yeah, it comes back to bite them. Uh, but they do get a point out of it, so they are at three, three out of possible four points, uh, so far in the week. Yeah, and just before we move on, Parker, what I'd love your opinion on, and I've heard both you know, the players were obviously mad, they felt like that was a point squandered. Many fans were saying, well, we're actually down 2 nothing against a really good team going into the third. I'm happy that we got the point, even though we lost mm-hmm. the, the lead. For you, point salvage or point squandered? It's both, right? They yeah. So they start off by, they basically salvaged two and then squandered one, right? They went That's from fair. they went from a game where they, they should have been basically out of it. Uh, and yeah. they came back and they fought hard and they, they brought it back. Uh, and then they... Kind of choked it away. And it's funny. You look at the win probability uh, in this game, at least from Money Puck. Uh, before the Canucks scored their first goal of the night in the third period, they were at a 10% chance of winning. Mm-hmm. Um, a few minutes later, they score their third, and they're up to a 78% chance of winning. Uh, and then the Capitals tie it, and then they ended up winning in overtime. So they really had, they really ran the full gamut of, uh, of emotion there. Um, analytically, the Capitals deserve to win that game. Um, you know, it expected goals were 4.3 to 2.3. Uh, so pretty dominant in that regard. Wow. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a night where, um, the, the motto line was the only one that really had any positive impact. Um, money puck does this cool thing where they show all of the players, um, in like a line and, yeah. the, and it's just, and it's basically percentage of expected goals. And it's like, Highmore, Mott, Lamico, all above 75%. And there's a big gap. And then it's really? Hughes and Shen. And then everyone else uh, in that game. Um, but yeah, it, it really was a, a bit of a point gained and squandered at the same time. Give me the 30-second version. If Bo Horvat scores two goals, how does that, if at all, affect his expected goals? It doesn't. Okay. If, they, if, if it's an empty netter, it'll be a one, right? Yeah. But... Yeah, the expected goals is based just on uh, shot location, basically, okay. as far as I know, and like it's venue adjusted and and things right. like that because some stat trackers are use different metrics. It's kind of weird, uh, but basically, it's you know if an average shooter shoots from here, um, yeah. and it's this type of shot or whatever, uh, and I, there might be some other metrics involved, um, then that's 
X amount of expected goals. So for that game, for example, yeah. the, the Washington game, Yuho Lamico was expected to get 0.76 goals. A third of all of the Canucks expected goals that night were just Yuho Lamico. Interesting. Um, so, and Bo Horvat was, was 21% of the team. So, um, huh. meanwhile, Kuznetsov expected goals were two, like he, he played that well that he was, and had that many opportunities. So it is, uh, interesting at least. What was, do you have Ovechkin's there? I'm just curious. Uh, Ovechkin's was 0. 0.5. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I'm looking, I can actually, I've actually not looked at this before. You can hover over on money yeah. and it tells you the exact breakdown. So there's the capital second goal was like 90% chance of being a goal, I guess. Yeah, 91.6% chance of scoring because it was from 11 feet away at a 5.2 degree angle uh, on the power play on a rebound. <laughs> and wow. uh, the goalie was out of it. Like it's, it's a crazy breakdown how it works, but uh, they bring a lot into account for things like that. I wish I had this website when I was studying for my professional accounting exams. I wouldn't have failed, I think. It's <laughs> pretty cool. Yeah, wow. Okay. All okay, right. So points squandered, point salvaged. Regardless, we got the point. Yeah. And then yeah. they take on Tampa Bay. And yeah. the one takeaway from this game was thought you hadn't heard of the high sticking overturn before. Well, what if they do it twice in two games? That might be my most liked tweet of all time. Yes, uh, that was good. That was good. I, I tweeted out. What did I say? I said, I've never seen a high sticking penalty wiped off in a review until the last two Canucks games, which is yeah. just crazy. Actually, one from the previous game when I talked about Tyler Mott got more. Um, but yeah, it's it's just it was it was bizarre. And it, again, maybe it, this one was probably the right call, um, but it's just such a weird, bizarre rule. And this is one that felt like the officiating got away from the Canucks a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. Normally, I, I'm against that. I, and I think the Lightning kind of deserved to win this game uh, in, in pieces as well. And, and the Canucks could have played better. Uh, they ran into a really hot goalie. And uh, some weird, some weird stuff happened, right? There was the Connor Garland goal that gets wiped out. Um, yep. It was, uh, it was just a, a wacky game. Yeah. The consecutive double minor penalties withdrawn aside. Yeah. It, the fact it was, it was other similarities to the Florida game in that I uh, sorry, the Washington game in that the Canucks went down early by two. Then they had a scoreless second period, but this time they couldn't score three. They scored one, and you're right. They should have had that second one. That one happened right in front of me, Parker. I was sitting downstairs for this one, and uh, I get the rule, but I've also seen it the other way where the ref actually does not blow the whistle just to make sure something doesn't happen because you can always – it's the stupidest rule, but you can always – take the goal away later and say, I was intending to blow the whistle. I don't know how you can right. do that, but that's what I would love to see instead of a quick whistle. Right. The idea of intending to blow the whistle makes a lot more sense to me than a lot of people because <laughs> lots of people hate it. And I'm yeah. like, well, there's the travel time, right? Whistle the mouth. And if you're yeah. like middle of it, because you think the play should be blown dead. And then they like stab the goalie into the net. That's like, yeah, I was blowing the whistle. I just hadn't gotten yeah. there yet. Um, but yeah, that, that was a weird one. Um, and again, <sighs> quick whistles are, are there to defend goalies. Um, I think there might, there it's, it's a slippery slope, but part of me is like, oh, there should be some leeway, right? Like, yeah, yeah sure. Like he blew the whistle, but it didn't affect the play. He wasn't going to save it because of the whistle, but it was also like, yeah, that happened to, to us. And I was like, well, the whistle went, you can't score. And it's a, it's a slippery slope. Um, yeah. But yeah. And it's, it's just a yeah, they tend to even out because I know there's a lot of debate and interpretation on the the icing call that Connor Garland beat out uh, in front of Chernek or Sernek in the corner, centering to JT Miller. So I know there's a lot of debate on that one too. So the refs are never going to get it right. 
but it's just painful when you're on the losing side of the game, no matter how many calls go against you. Yeah, it was tough. Absolutely. Uh, JT Miller gets a goal though. Uh, yep. and keeps and keeps the streak alive. Yeah. Um, but they do lose that one. Uh, and yeah. then we get to last night's game. Uh, the mm-hmm. Devils in town, the the team that that crushed the Canucks seven to two just uh, a couple of weeks prior. Uh, and the Canucks the Canucks played a, a solid game. Um, they they just kept scoring. Uh, they took advantage of of not great goaltending again. Analytically, not a great night for the Canucks. Um, mm-hmm. right? Like they they're let me see what they're the the deserve to win was was that f- it's it's tr- it's changing about forty percent for the Canucks, um, which I think is pretty fair. Um, expected goals were basically three to two and a half. New Jersey mm-hmm. got their three that they were expected to, um, which means Thatcher Demko basically had a dead even night, average night. Uh, but the the Devils couldn't get a save. Um, some excellent shots, especially from uh, Bo Horvat. Um, and, uh, and the goaltenders were just run out of the building. <laughs> yeah. A couple of things, uh, Tuesday night's my bowling night, Parker. So I, I admittedly, I would concentrate on my bowling game. Then I look up and I, the Canucks must be, I know they scored though, that two goals in 17 seconds apart because I, I looked up, it was two, two. Then I looked down, I bowled a shot, looked up and it was four, two. It was crazy. And then also uh, Horvat's goal to start off the third period. Also uh, the shorty. So Horvat's so good when you give him some open ice, he's not, He's not the fastest skater ever, but he's fast enough to create space. And his shot is good enough where he can get it off pretty quick, whether it's a snap wrist or slap. I, I really like, maybe that's why he always, they always use him in the shootouts. He's one of the three shooters mm-hmm. for sure. Cause he's actually pretty good one-on-one against a goalie. Yeah. We get the, we get the Brad hunt shot to start yeah. things off Uh really well placed slap shot, yeah. 24 inches off the ice, perfectly placed. Uh, so a nice goal for him. Uh, we get a Niels Hoaglander goal, uh, which mm-hmm. he has been due for for a while. Nice little, nice little um, bat out of the air, which was nice yeah, to see. Um, then, yeah, Bo Horvat's first uh, unassisted, where he nice. just fires it uh, through the goalie, uh, just with brute force, ninety-seven miles an hour. I think it was clocked wow. at, which is crazy powerful. Uh, Tanner Pearson gets a goal 17 seconds later. This was the best play by Tyler Myers of his career. That was nice. I love that. The fake slap shot into the slap pass where on a goalie who has just been beaten twice by slap shots, who is not wanting it to happen again. Backdoor to Tanner Pearson was great. Bo Horvat gets the shorty, uh, to start the third period on that Tyler Mott double minor, which didn't get overturned by the way. Um, uh, Bo Horvat with a perfectly placed quick shot, uh, shorthanded, uh, and then mm-hmm. Lamico ices it late. Um, so a six goal outburst for the Canucks, and they've had a few of those this year. They've had a, a few games where where goal scoring just seems to click, and they they run a bunch up, and and the other team can't keep up. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you too. I know a lot of people were saying both on Twitter and the radio today that the Canucks did a pretty good job of neutralizing New Jersey's speed and they did that with short passes not trying to uh, go long but then the two of the three goals i'd say new jersey caused because of their speed i know you're not going to shut them out completely obviously yeah Hughes breakaway and then the other one by graves the first goal that was a really good strong rush by the devils maybe a, a weaker defensive play by hoglander again you're never going to be perfect but i i didn't watch the whole game so i don't you did i don't know what you thought about the canucks trying to neutralize new jersey's speed if you thought it was actually pretty good so after every game, I do pluses and minuses. The things yeah. I liked about the game and the things I didn't like. I had three yeah. minuses last night. One of them was, quote, the Canucks clearly struggled with the speed of New Jersey. <laughs> well, there's the answer. <laughs> I don't think, I, I think the speed was a problem, especially for the defense. Yeah. 
Um, Jack Hughes is so fast. And <laughs> when you, when your defense uh, is Quinn Hughes and then a bunch of slow players, right? Ekman Larson's not a fast skater. Tyler Myers, Luke Shen, Travis Hamnick, Brad Hunt. None of those yeah. guys are particularly fast, right? Quinn Hughes isn't even that fast. He can keep nope. up, but he's very agile, right? That's, yes. that's his specialty. Um, and New Jersey took advantage of it at times. Now, we can say they neutralized their speed a little bit, but that's because they scored six goals. So it's kind of easy to say that. Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't, again, it wasn't like they they dominated the Devils and they just shut them down and didn't let them build up speed because they had some high danger chances. They had some really good chances and they converted on a couple of them. Um, just the speed didn't hurt the Canucks defensively where they were trying to play in the offensive zone um, because they were able to score uh, six goals. Um, but yeah, I don't think, uh, I, I really don't think they handled the speed that well. It seemed to be, uh, something that could be a, a real problem for yeah. the Canucks if, if they ran into a bunch of fast teams. Exactly. They, they struggle against Carolina, against Florida, against New Jersey, against any team that can skate really well. Was Tyler Myers one of your minuses? Cause he was on the ice. I didn't say it's his fault, but he was on the ice for all three of New Jersey's goals. Quite impressive. That is impressive. Uh, no, he's not a okay. minus because that goal made up or that pass, that assist, that play to Pearson made up for it. I can't, I cannot give any Tyler Myers slander uh, after after a play like that. He is, uh, he's the best defenseman in the game uh, at that point. At that moment, he was. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I again, not ideal, but whatever. Sure. And Bo and JT and Pearson, we got to give him some love. He, of course, Miller is making everyone play better but Pearson's keeping up with him I know we know Boudreaux loves him he's a veteran a Stanley Cup champion low maintenance reliable all those things and he's played really well on on Miller's side yeah I um I tweeted on December 29th uh quote I've never said a negative thing about Tanner Pearson in my life I remember that uh, which is obviously false uh but this was the start of my Tanner Pearson turnaround arc was was December 29th um, I don't know. I don't remember exactly what happened, but I, I imagine he scored a goal and I thought yeah. he had played a good game Yeah, and he has been good the last couple months uh, and especially the last few weeks, right? The last few weeks, he has been a very solid contributor. He's, he's putting up points, right? He's got, uh, he's got 13 goals, 18 assists. He's, he's back up to sort of his, his normal. He's on pace for like 50 points. Good. Right. Making three and a quarter million. I didn't like the contract because last year he wasn't that good. Right. He had 18 yeah. points in 51 games. And I thought, OK, well, now is a weird time to give him that much money. Uh, but he has made up for it. He's bounced back um, and maybe not early in the season, but especially lately. Um, and I think, yeah, he's been uh, he's been a really valuable piece uh, the last few weeks, especially when you compare his three point two five million to. Jason Dickinson's well, Jason's at 2.7 and I, I almost forgot he's on the team half the time. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, that's an extra, that's an extra 500 grand worth paying. If you're picking yes. between the two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I did forget about Jason Dickinson yeah. as well. Yeah. And I, and we barely mentioned JT Miller, another three assists Horvat with his three points. So um, I love, and I, I just want to touch on this real quick. We've talked about this before on here. It sounds like Horvat is fine. He should be fine with shared leadership. I don't, I don't buy into this at all. That there's a no, a, I, it's such a it's such a, it's a good thing. Uh, driven for clicks thing, Got in it. my opinion. Yeah. Um, I mean, the whole thing emerged with a certain reporter who's done things like this in the past, yes, um, a few months ago. Um, 
and they they they're both you're allowed to have two leaders <laughs> it's not a bad thing you have one guy who's a lot more emotional and outspoken in a good yeah. way in jt miller you have one guy who's who puts his head down and and scores clutch goals when the when the team needs a guy to 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 put them on his back he's yeah. they're they're both fantastic to have um mm-hmm. and i think like oh there's only room for one it's like it's just trying to drive up hype for no reason yeah i hear i hear what you're saying Okay, so we did a pretty good job of wrapping up those four. Three more games on this homestand. So, Parker, two questions for you. What's their record going to be, and how many of these games will Halak play, and which one or ones, if more? Yeah, Halak's not playing in more than one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and if he does, then then Boudreaux should be fired. I don't care okay. about the past. <laughs> uh, you call it. Uh, no. Uh, Boudreaux gets one game. They're saying you could play Halak tomorrow. No. No, no. Why would you do that? Well, the, the thought was you give Demko a rest halfway through this homestand and, and then you go Demko back to back Calgary Buffalo. I don't know why you do that, but that, that was the thought. No, you, just, Demko. you just play Demko tomorrow and Saturday. You play Halak Sunday. It's the easy right. move. Yeah. And let's not, let's not try to overthink it. Uh, yep. You know, there's, there's always the argument of, Oh, do you put the worst goalie against the better team? Because you're mm-hmm. probably going to lose that one anyways. And then try to guarantee the win with your better goalie against the, the other team that's kind of what Tampa Bay did to the Canucks, right? Exactly. They put in they they saved Vasilevsky for the Canucks, and that, that's the reason they lost that game. Uh, or one of the big ones for sure. Um, I, I think you you play it smart. You put Demko in against Calgary because it gives yep. you your best chance to win. Uh, you put Halak in against Buffalo because it's a team that you should beat anyways. Yep. Um, um and I think you just go from there and you, you hope that the team's gonna score enough goals on Sunday to make up for any potential lapses. Um, my, my guess is the easy two and one, uh, it's, it's a safe pick. It's sort of a bailout. Uh, it is team plays two teams that are worse than them and one team that is better than them. Uh, so they win two and lose one. Um, there's a real chance it could be, you know, it could go one, one, and one, you know, maybe if lack has a bad game or or something goes wrong, they (laughs) could go three and oh, right. Like it's, it's totally within the realm of possibility. Uh, Saturday night, it's a home game against Calgary, like there's, there's potential for things to go the Canucks way. Um, I, I, I think two, one and O is the, is the easy safe bet. And they're, and they go into the trade deadline with a 35% chance of making the playoffs. I agree with you. Two and one makes sense regardless of if it's the two, we think they should win. Add that two, one, one, one. Then they come out of there at four, two and one. They get their nine out of 14 would love 10 or 11, but nine out of 14 is exactly what you said, Parker, at the start of this show is, is, why they are where they are right now they are still in it they're not surpassing the playoff bar yet but they haven't fallen out either because they keep winning at this six six seven two-thirds pace so we'll see we will see they're more in it than they were last week um and that's been the trend over the last two weeks really right the canucks had that rise from december to late january and then fell off a bit right i'm just looking at the athletic sort of line of percentage odds they yeah. dipped to basically zero right before Boudreaux got hired. They slowly climbed back up. They peaked at around January 20th, got to about the 20% mark, then fell down again because the Canucks sort of middled out for a bit. Uh, some other teams started winning, uh, Edmonton especially, and the Canucks started to to rise again. So last week they were, yeah, around 15%. And now they're at about, you know, according to them, 20, what did I say, 26%? 
27%? The most shocking thing here is Vegas is now 46% chance to make the playoffs for these odds because they have uh, they don't have a goalie <laughs> yeah. and they've lost. They, I think they have $31 million in injured players on their cap. It is uh, an absolute disaster uh, in Vegas. And I sort of want to talk about what this means. What is the Canucks road to the playoffs here? I mean, I'll, I'll paint the picture for you. Sure. Um, Calgary basically locked in, right? I, I think we're pretty, we're definitely safe in saying Calgary wins the Pacific division. LA doesn't look like they're going anywhere. Uh, they're at 74 points. Um, so they've got a, they, they've got a, a nice like seven point cushion on their playoff spot. Um, they've been sort of consistent, like winning, you know, like 60%, just sort of, just sort of cruising along doing fine. Uh, they haven't shown any signs of collapse. Edmonton's the first, uh, interesting one, right? Cause we're talking yeah. about, you know, the ways for the Canucks to get in. There's two of them. One is you get top three in the Pacific. You're locked in guaranteed. If you do that, which means to do that, they would have to leapfrog Vegas, which seems doable. Um, potentially and Edmonton, which is a little bit trickier. Uh, currently Edmonton has a three point lead on the Vancouver Canucks, uh, and a game in hand. Uh, mm-hmm. so they, they need to fall apart a little bit. The Canucks only play Edmonton one more time this season. It's the last game of the year. Um, so who knows that could end up being exciting, but I, the odds aren't great. It comes down to that. Um, the, and then they, so they'd have to get ahead of both of those teams, but the other option is a wild card spot. Currently, Las Vegas holds that last wild card spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're really competing for the the last one. Uh, Nashville has really cemented their place. They've gone on a good run lately, won seven of the last 10. Uh, they now have 74 points in 60 games. You're more likely to catch up to LA than you are to Nashville, uh, just points percentage-wise, because they are higher. So really, it then comes down between Vancouver, Vegas, and Dallas, all competing for one spot. Uh, yeah. So things are get, things get a little bit scary right now. Um, the athletic, for example, has Dallas at a 58% chance Vegas at 46 and Vancouver at 27. So with all those scenarios into account of those three teams going for that second wildcard spot, they have Vancouver at the lowest, which currently is fair. The Canucks have the, uh, the fewest points, uh, or at least the worst points percentage out of those teams. Actually they're tied with Vegas based in points percentage. Um, but Vegas is historically a better team than the Canucks. Um, and the Canucks have been good for three months. Um, so right now it's basically for a wild card spot. It's a three horse race for the third spot in the Pacific. It's also a three horse race, right? Mm-hmm. Either way, the Canucks need to catch Vegas or Edmonton. They need to catch either two teams in the Pacific or one team in the Pacific and one team in the central. They, they just got to pass two teams. After all that, and you explained that very well, it's so funny, Parker, what a difference a week makes. If this was a week ago, and it was a week ago when we talked about this, I know we were talking about they gotta they can get third in the Pacific. Vegas was already starting to falter. Edmonton was faltering. And we said, yeah, then you can get play against LA in the first round. You don't have to cross over and play against Colorado and play in the in the in the central for the playoffs and blah, blah, blah. But then last week, Edmonton wins three in a row. And Dallas loses three in a row. And I get that Dallas still has three games in hand on us, but that was the team. Remember with them in Nashville, they were, they were, they were spreading themselves, yeah. uh, separating from the pack. And they said, there's no way the Canucks are going to catch these two central teams. That's why we were saying five from the central three from Pacific. And it's got to be Vancouver in the third, but Edmonton has won three in a row. And I just, there's, 
the kind of team where I, I want to beat so badly, but they, they're kind of stubborn. And I, I just think that they're going to be tough to catch. I do think mm-hmm. we can pass Vegas as early as tomorrow. So what I think is going to have to happen is maybe maybe Dallas will inexplicably continue their bad run and we do catch the second wild card spot as opposed to the third Pacific spot. I think th- in, intuitively third Pacific is easier, but the way it's, and I could change this, my tune in another week, but the way it's trending right now, maybe they have a better shot at catching the second wild card spot. Yeah. So let's think about what this sort of implies for the deadline. Mm-hmm. Cause sure. right now the Canucks have three games yeah. until the trade deadline. Uh, and like we already talked about Detroit, Calgary, and Buffalo in a vacuum. There's a, I think the best odds are the Canucks get four points, right? Yep. That seems to be based on the way they've been playing. It, and again, I don't want to say it's a lock and you you can clip this and come back to it a week later when they go. zero and three, um, uh, but the thing is like, like, let's, let's just assume for the point of argument, the Canucks get four points here. Yeah. Right. Then we look at the other teams coming into the deadline because where the Canucks are in the playoff race is going to determine some things around this deadline. You look at Vegas right now, the Canucks have a slightly better points percentage than Vegas. Uh, Vegas has two games left before the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. So after the trade deadline, they will have played the same amount of games as Vancouver. If we assume yes. the Canucks get four points out of this, and they're at 71 points. Vegas would have to win both of their next two games to be above that at 72. Well, Vegas gets Florida tomorrow, which is one of the top teams in the NHL, uh, 88 points, top of the Atlantic division, ahead of Tampa Bay and Toronto. And then they get Minnesota the game after that. Now, Minnesota's had a bit of a fall from grace um, Mm -hmm. lately, uh, but they are still a really good hockey team. They they beat Boston today four to two. Um, those are two tough opponents for Vegas. Uh, it's they've lost five in a row in regulation for the first time ever. Good. Uh, oh, there's a real chance for that to become seven in a row. Yep. Right. There's a real chance for Vegas to have, to lose seven in a row, and for the Canucks to have a. Th- a one to three point cushion on them. If, if the Canucks say win these next two games or two of their next three Vegas, let's say win zero or one of theirs. There's a really real chance. The Canucks go into the trade deadline sitting in a playoff spot on Monday. Wow. Wow. And, and if I may do, can you quickly look up what Dallas has to do? Or are we not worried about that? Cause they're the team that kind of scares me a little bit. Right. Like so Dallas, yeah. Dallas is the same amount of points as Vancouver, yeah. but three games in hand. Yes. They also play three games before the trade deadline. Mm. Uh, They get Montreal tomorrow. That should be a win for Dallas. Yeah. Uh, It is on the road. So who knows? Uh, They have a matinee on Saturday in uh, New York on Long Island against the Mm. Islanders. Um, So another team that they should be. But again, it's on the road. It's not guaranteed for sure. Uh, and then Sunday, the day before the trade deadline, they're on the road in DC against the Capitals. And okay. that should be a pretty good hockey game, uh, yeah. to be honest. So um, I think, you know, very real chance that Dallas goes wins two of their games as well here. Yeah. Uh, and and we end up with the Canucks, you know, sort of in a tie, but with Dallas with games in hand. Yeah. Um, if I had to predict where everything ends up, I think that would be my prediction. Dallas wins two of their games. Vancouver wins two of theirs and Vegas wins one of theirs. Um, and the Canucks are 
sitting one point out of a wild card spot. Right. And given that we play three more games, Dallas plays three more games. We, obviously they don't make up any of their games in hand. So I, I get it. It's not the end of the world. It's, it's never going to be perfect. When you look at the standings, you always got to factor this in, but yeah, the, I just don't like that. They have three more games to play than we do from here on in, but mm-hmm. what can you do? That's the way it is. And keep in mind, they play each other. Uh, do they play each other twice? The Canucks and stars or just once? I know we, yeah, no, I don't think we've, no, I know we play them on the 26th play in them, Dallas. Yeah, they play them twice. So they play Good. them on the 26th in Dallas and April 18th at Rogers Arena. Um, nice. So that's, you know, could make up two of those games there if they win them. Uh, yeah. And then Vegas, the Canucks play them three more times, right? That's that's a big, those are going to be big, big games um, for the Canucks. Awesome. By the way, let's acknowledge Crazy Tomato. Thank you for the $2 donation. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Minnesota could fail, uh, could fall. They have been. They could. Yeah, they have been. They could. They do have a big cushion, though. They've got a seven-point cushion and two games in hand. Uh, they really could fall if they did something like Vegas did uh, this last <laughs> week, this last two weeks. It is possible, and they have been trending a little bit in that direction. Um, right now, the Athletic at least has Minnesota sitting at a 98% chance of making it, um, which, again, isn't perfectly scientific. Uh, I mean, you look at a team like Anaheim, who is down to 2% now, uh, when they were in the mix for for quite a long time, yeah, that's crazy. Um, you know, as as two weeks ago, they were ahead of the Canucks in, in odds. So, yeah, yeah, uh, they could. It is uh, definitely possible. Cool. So, you want to talk uh, for a few minutes about what the Canucks may do, and then you want to cover the, the the deals from today. Sure. Um, so, I guess there's. I don't even. What are the names getting floated? Right, Tyler yeah. Mott's one. Yeah, because he's the only one who's a true UFA that. There's Halak too, but we know he's not coming back. So yeah, Mott's the tricky one. Mott's Mott the tricky one. one. Yeah, and, and the the big thing is, I think he's in the thumbnail uh, of this stream. Got he you is. guys to click on it. Um, the it is a, a really tricky scenario because he is a, a real heartbeat of this team. Yep. Uh, he is a player that you would love to see play the his whole career in Vancouver. He is also a player that is going to get a big raise next year. Yes. Um, and I think there's sort of three sides to this coin, although coins don't have three sides unless you're landing it perfectly on its side. Um, one of them is you trade Tyler Mott. Uh, the Canucks are, are a rumored, you know, look thinking they might be able to get a top 40 pick for Tyler Mott, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, if that, I, well, that sounds pretty good to me. Um, the other option is you, you re-sign Tyler Mott which again, if you were going to do that, you'd probably want to do it before the deadline, right? Just so you don't risk losing him for nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other option is you treat him as a rental and you say, all right, we're going to keep Tyler Mott. We might try to resign him in the off season, but he's probably going to be too expensive for us, but we'll keep him because we don't want to disrupt the momentum of this team because he's a real important part of it. And we have one of the best fourth lines out there. That's playing third line minutes. Yeah. Um, so it's a, I mean, out of those three options, where are you leaning? Well, if you were to listen to his agent on Donnie and Dolly earlier or last week, yeah, he's saying, well, he's being a good agent. He's saying all these things about he's seventh in forwards and ice time. So he's playing like a third line clip, blah, blah, blah. Which if is true. Were, yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> that's fair. If it were, and he's doing what a good agent should do. If it were me, if it were me, oh gosh. You know, to be honest with you, the re-signing him is at the bottom for me. It really is. 
So I think you either trade him for something or you treat him as an own rental. But mm. and, to me, and, resigning him is the is the least of the three likely for me. And to be clear, it's not because you dislike Tyler Mott and you think, Correct. oh, I don't want this guy to be on the team next year. It's because the rumored salary is yes. is Tucker Pullman money. Uh, yeah, and thank you for clearing that up, Parker. Just is a, yes. Yeah. Although I, I, I do hate mail. <laughs> well, I do I do complain that he doesn't pass enough on two ones, but that's that's a whole nother vlog. Okay. <laughs> so. I like it. Puck. <laughs> Pucks on net. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. So um it's just tricky because we know the Canucks, they're not in the best cap situation. They're still going to have Holtby and Bertanen's contracts uh, on the books. Holax comes off. Yeah, and Holax bonus, yes. Oh, man. So um, of those things, of those three, and so if I have to pick, I, I should show some guts here and make a decision. I actually I actually don't – I'm. they should trade them, but I have a feeling they might keep them and just chalk it up to, um, you know, cost of doing business they're going to keep him especially if he's a big part of that line and if especially if they're in a playoff position three games from now i think they keep him and then, i'm in a similar boat yeah i don't yeah. like it that much because i think yeah. i think it's the wrong decision long term i agree right I, I think it's right up there with resigning him as the wrong decision long term <laughs> you either lose him for nothing or you pay him too much now i've started and this is as of three seconds ago as it ran through my head well, maybe you can just re-sign him for four years at 2.5 million because is he going to have negative value, right? That's the question to me. Mm-hmm. Can you trade him a year from now and, and get out of that contract if you need to? Mm-hmm. Maybe, but there's a good chance that you get nothing for it, right? That you get like a sixth instead of the potential right now for a second, maybe a first, and then you send something back the other way. Mm-hmm. Um or, or like you retain something. I don't know. I, I, I you know, I, I heard that they're hoping they can get a top 40 if they are going to trade them, which, you know, no contending team is going to have a pick between 33 and 40 yeah. Um, yeah. in theory, unless they've picked one up somewhere else in the, along the line, I guess. Um, so to me, long-term wise, trading yeah. Tyler Mott seems like the right decision. I agree. However, with you. I'm having a lot of fun watching this team win. Yeah. And uh, I, I get greedy and I think, well, why don't we just go for it? Like, just have a, let's have a fun few games. And I know it's wrong in the long term. It's not the smart decision, but it's the fun decision. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, part of me is just like, keep everybody just, just run it. Why not? Why not give it a spin? Well, what a difference from three months ago when your tagline was fire everybody. And but they did, management. and look what happened. Yeah, that's that's true. Actually, you, you got it Man. right. <laughs> Sometimes is, we say smart things. Is it fair to say, let's say another smart thing. Is it fair to say JT Miller off the trade block now? Or do you think they would still entertain something if it blew their socks off? It would have to be it would have to be an absurd offer. Yeah. Um there's here's the thing. JT Miller is on a tear right now. 27 points in his last 13 games. He is tied for sixth. I don't know about tonight. I don't know if something changed. I don't know if like Caprizov got a point or anything. He got but as sixth. of last night, as of last night, he was tied for sixth with Nazem Kadri and Kirill Kaprizov for uh, NHL scoring, wow. which is absurd. He was like a few points, but he was like three points back of Matthews or something as of yesterday. Um, wow. That's going to, it would take a lot to pull that player away. Yeah. Um, you could trade him in the off season and mm-hmm. probably do pretty well for yourself. 
you could mm-hmm. trade him in the middle of next season and probably do pretty well for yourself. Trading him now would kill this team's playoff hopes. It would yeah. just they'd be gone immediately. You would you it's it is just these it is the surrender. It is what St. Louis did two years before winning the Stanley Cup with uh, with Stastny, right? Mm-hmm. They said, "Oh, we're not we're not Stastny's not a, not JT Miller right now." Um, but they said, we're not winning the cup this year. We're going to stack up for a couple of years from now. And it worked. Um, and along those lines, you say, okay, well, Hey, maybe that's, that's the way to go. Maybe we shouldn't be trying so hard for this one playoff spot. Um, and again, at the same time, sometimes sports are irrational and sometimes emotions are irrational. <laughs> and I don't want to see JT Miller go anywhere. I want the Canucks to give him eight years at $16 million if he asks for it. Uh, because he's been so, so good. Now, is he being buoyed a bit by crazy, unrealistic, unsustainable analytics? Sure, right? Is everyone on the ice shooting at 20% when he's out there, which is not sustainable? Sure, but it's so fun to watch. And, and there's that little inkling of me in the back saying, well, what if he's? What if this is just who JT Miller is, right? What yeah. if he just is a top 10 player in the NHL? And again, it's irrational. But it's a fun, but but I I'm feeling irrational right now, <laughs> and that I don't want to lose him. <laughs> the next title, feeling irrational. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. And uh, by the way, Kaprizov did get two tonight, so uh, jumped ahead, but but it's it's still fine. He's still good. JT Miller's still top ten. Yeah, I definitely I agree with everything you said. You can trade him as we talked about at the draft, where there's 31 teams vying for him instead of 15 playoff teams or 16 playoff teams. There's, there's so many things you don't have to do anything. You you can do worry about this all next season uh, yep. when it, when his contract actually is coming up. So yeah, you, irreplaceable right now, truly irrational. Yeah, if, yes. Irreplaceable. Yes. If someone comes to you and offers you three first round picks and a top prospect, then I'm saying, then, then maybe you answer the phone, but yeah. we just saw Ben Sherratt get a first. Yes. And a prospect. And he is analytically one of the worst defensemen in the NHL right now. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, it's it's not good. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's uh, I, I think JT Miller is is off the block. There's no reason to trade him right now. Uh, and again, two weeks ago I said something different. Uh, mm-hmm. but hey, that's that's the thing about thinking is that you can change your thoughts when things change. Uh, I like the dramatic pause, Parker. That's the thing about thinking. You don't need to be so like locked into an opinion and like, oh, I said this one thing and I will stand by it till the day I die. Thomas Drance two weeks ago said, you guys thought Canucks were going to catch Vegas in the standings. Look at the victory lap everyone's taken now because they did in points percentage. Um, And again, and and he he he's he said he's like yeah I was wrong uh well I didn't expect you know I didn't expect their goalies to get hurt etc and I didn't expect J T Miller to go on a two point per game clip for three weeks four weeks um which I think was fair on my part um so yeah it's uh yeah. I, I think you just ride it for love uh, Drance but he's he, he qualifies everything when he when he when he oh uh, yeah he doesn't like being wrong and I don't either um yeah. but you gotta you know take it in stride a little bit a little bit. So there's two other names that have come up. Okay. Um, Brock Besser. Yep. Who seems to be the the top name. Um, I haven't looked at like the TSN trade 
He's or... 20. Him and Mott are in the 20s of their latest one that came out yesterday. Oh, they're so far down. There's nothing's happening. Oh, Brock like... Besser's below Travis Hamannick now. Oh, I didn't see Hamannick even. Travis Hamannick is now 22nd on the list. Man, if you can get something for Travis Hamannick, you do that. But uh, yeah, Bro- uh, Brock Besser. Yeah, Besser's 25, Miller's 26, Garland 28. Okay. Um, look, uh, we have 10 minutes left and I'm just going to say nothing happens. Okay. Can I, can I say that? Is that, is that a letdown to the hundred plus people that are in here who are here for a trade deadline preview? No, because those hundred plus is... people want to hear us talk about what happened today too. I think that's fair. I agree with you. I think the Canucks will just ride this out and, and negotiate in good faith. Yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think they're really like dramatically need to do anything. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Brock Besser, again, I think you want to try to get him signed long-term before the trade deadline, which is, you know, four days away or five days away, which is tricky. Um, yeah. Just so you don't have that qualifying offer looming over your head for next year. But again, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Either. It's not, it's not insurmountable. Um, the only ones that are, the only thing that is like actually the Canucks are on the clock need to have some sort of decision by Monday is Tyler Mott because he's mm-hmm. the only true UFA. Like you said, everyone yep. else um, will still be here next year. Yes. They can at least find a way to be here next, or they can trade them at the draft, right? Or yes. during free agency or whatever. Uh, Tyler Mott is the only, uh, the only thing that is that they can run out of time on. Uh, and even that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, making no decision on Tyler Mott um, because you know, uh, losing him for nothing wouldn't be great, but it also means you get him for the for the rest of the year. Do you think Canucks fans will be disappointed if nothing happens? Or do you think they'll understand? I'm not saying this is right, but they'll understand that no, uh, Rutherford and Alvin may want to give this team, as it's currently constructed, one shot to do something special. If the Canucks had a 10% chance of making the playoffs, yep. then I think I would be disappointed if they did nothing. And I think most people would be as well. Um, the thing about the 25, 23, 27, 25% chance of making the playoffs is again, it's a weighted average for usually the last year or three years. Right. Um, but you look at the last three months and again, it's not perfect, but the last three months, the Canucks have been one of the best teams in the NHL, yes. at least points wise. I don't think they've looked like the best team in the NHL the whole ways, but they, 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 they've been churning out points. They right? found a way. Yeah. And now you have other teams in like Vegas in free fall. You have Dallas in free fall. So there is, there is a real window here, at least making the playoffs. They're not going to win the Stanley cup most likely. Uh, but there is now, there is a path into the dance. And if they want to take it, I, I don't think, people would be too against it because again the only thing you're running out of time on is tyler mott and they can go into they can go into their press conference at 3 p.m on deadline day and say uh yeah we had calls on everybody uh we didn't think they were worth it uh the only person who you know we really run a risk on losing is tyler mott i think we can make everyone else work um Mm -hmm. but we want tyler mott to be on the team for the rest of this run and we're going to try to make the playoffs Yep. And I think that would be a completely respectable, understandable answer. Yeah, he would uh, accept that. Yeah. 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 And I think I think there will be some people who want to set everything on fire always and and always um be angry. 
Um, but I, I really think the Canucks are in this weird position where every decision can be rationalized. If they traded everyone, they could be like, yeah, we weren't going to win the cup this year. Let's we're trying to win the cup in a couple of years. If they trade no one, they can be like, yeah, well we don't have to right now. There's, there's really no wrong. They can't screw this up too bad. Yeah. In my opinion. I agree. I agree with you. Unless the only way they can mess this up is they make a bad trade bad and trades. They, they don't get fair value back, but I just, if they get rentals, yeah, that's where they could get some, yeah. ba- some backlash. If they go for like yeah. Claude Giroux, <laughs> uh, <laughs> then, then we're, then we're talking about, um, that's that. Yeah. As long as they're not going out and adding, um, yeah. you know, then I and they think won't, they won't. Yeah. No, I, I, that's so unlikely. Should we give, uh, give some quick reaction to today's trades real quick? Yeah. First trade, Ben Sherratt. Uh, I don't have a card for it, but yeah, uh, no. Ben Sherratt, who think, yeah. is analytically um, one of the worst players defensively. Um, Evolving Wild, uh, which is a, a an analytics, uh, Evolving Hockey, like they do analytics and stuff. Uh, they tweeted out lots of people in our mentions telling us Sherratt's 23 playoff games from last year should outweigh his 400 plus regular season games of below replacement level performance. Uh, wow. Also, I can't find anything to support that he was actually good in the playoffs for Montreal last year. <laughs> Among all Montreal players with more than 200 minutes, Sherratt ranked last or second to last in all metrics relevant to teammates at even strength. He played 61 minutes shorthanded and was middle of the pack. Not sure what's going on other than, quote, he looked menacing. Uh, so Ben Sherratt doesn't have much, like, going for him. Um, and this year, he has been a replacement, below replacement level player. Um, oh. Dom Lucision's player cards have, like, that market value. He's in the minuses, just like Jason wow. Dickinson is. Um the, and uh, I think Jay Fresh's card has him at like a one percentile, like first percentile, uh, which is obviously basically as bad as you can get. Um, and Florida, for the right, for the privilege of having Ben Sherratt on their blue line, and their defense is their their weakness, right? They're a very good offensive team, uh, and they're still a weak defensive team. Um, is they gave up uh, Tyler Smil- Smilanic, uh, mm-hmm. who was I think seventy fourth overall pick. Uh, two years ago, uh, and a first in 2023. So not this draft, but the following one, and then a fourth in 2022, but the fourth was sort of just for salary retention, uh, purposes. So basically for Sherratt, um, a former, a former third, early third round pick and a first round pick, uh, in next year's draft. What's crazy Parker, is that first round pick isn't protected. It's not lottery protected. So the Florida could bomb next year win the lottery and you're giving Montreal Shane Wright. Can you imagine <laughs> for Ben Sherratt? <laughs> that would be, that would be hilarious. That would be funny. What's really interesting too, is as you, as you built up that story, that narrative, which is really good about how much actually that uh, Montreal got for him. This trade was preceded by a trade that uh, between two, right. Uh, two like teams battling for playoffs in, in uh, all being different divisions. Florida traded uh, traded Frank Vitrano to the Rangers to clear up the cap space to make a move like this. So they're thinking, oh, is it going to be Giroux? Is it going to be Ham- Hampus Lindholm? Is it going to be? And it turns out to be Ben Sherratt. Now maybe they're not done. And Vitrano, I think, was uh, redundant in Florida's uh, forward group, and he was making two point five expiring contract. But still, Rangers pick up a forward that can help them, so it's good for them. 
but Florida got rid of that cap, uh, that cap uh, got cap space, which was good. But then they turned around and did the Schrott one. So I was very, very surprised. Very surprised. Yeah, I don't get it. It seems know. like a, a very ill-advised move yeah. uh, from Florida. Good on Montreal, though. Man, that yes. is getting the most of an asset. If Ben Sherrod is getting that, I mean, like Tyler Mott has to have Tyler Mott's got to be a lottery pick, right? <laughs> like, like that is such a crazy. Uh, it just seems it just seems wild to me uh, that they would go they would go that all out um, for a mid defenseman, uh, not mid defenseman, a bad defenseman. Why am I saying mid defenseman? I'm being too nice. Uh, it's a it's a crazy move um, to make. And people corrected me. I had my draft years wrong. Yes, I meant I should have said Connor Bedard, not Shane Wright. Well, right. but Montreal could get Shane Wright this year and then get Connor Bedard next year in that with that pick. That would be a, a nice uh, nice combo. Um, something else happened today. Yep. A big signing, uh, and that is uh, Tomas Hurdle. Eight years, the maximum possible, at eight point one three seven five, which adds up to what did we say it was sixty five point one million. Why point one, Parker? Sixty five because you got to make the money. Uh, the extra hundred grand is big. Um, yeah. Or someone f- maybe forgot to carry a one and they meant to make That's it sixty five even, and it was a hundred thousand dollar mistake. Um, look, Hurdle's a great player. Uh, Hurdle is having a great year, 48 points in 59 games, 25 goals. He's on pace for like 35, 35 goals, Mm -hmm. uh, and like 68, 65 points. Great, great season. Mm. By the start of next season, he will be a month away from turning 29. Mm. Um, which means an eight year extension. This is the first time I'm seeing this in a contract goes to, it ends in the year 2030. This contract, in theory, could end after the next Vancouver Olympics. (laughs) Like, realistically. So here's the thing. By the time it ends, in April of 2030, uh, Hurdle will be 36. Uh, That could be... It's not like the Sharks are good right now. No. Right? That could be a very painful contract now the cap could go up a million percent by then and be fine but the what where this really matters for the canucks is is we've heard uh around a guy like jt miller oh well maybe maybe they can pull off like a nine million for like five years well you look at this contract and and jt miller is whoa hurdle who who's that guy he doesn't have the impact that jt miller has especially right now right so so if JT Miller's looking at that, he's thinking, well, I can get 10 then, right? So to sort of add on to that, and I was telling you about this earlier, uh, Wyatt Arndt, the stanchion, uh, the athletic, um, posted a the gif, you know, in Breaking Bad, where they got the, the two, uh, Bill Burr and the other guy, uh, sort of the henchman, uh, lie down on the big pile of money in the storage unit. <laughs> He tweets that and he says, JT Miller's agents looking at that hurdle contract. Okay. And then Brian Bartlett, the agent of JT Miller tweets out the clip from the movie, Jerry Maguire of him saying, show me the money. (laughs) So folks, (laughs) JT Miller is going to be expensive to resign. If this comparable means anything. Uh, And that's, that's a quality tweet. That's a great tweet. Um, But the Canucks might be in trouble here. Wow. 
eight years at eight million, and we know that you get a discount by going longer. So a shorter. Holy smokes! Yeah, yeah. Throw out, throw out any dreams of getting Miller for under nine now. Honestly, like yeah. Well, and I for guess less than on less than seven years, right? Like he's gonna want term, right? This is the big payday for a guy like JT Miller. Uh, this is this is where you can you know try to make a bunch of money, uh, and then by the time you're 37, you you've made your money, and then you can take a couple of low deals and and you know if you're still in the league, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a big one. Like is Hurdle better than Quinn Hughes, who we paid six years at seven eight five? I wouldn't say so from an impact perspective. Is even better than no, PD? I know, but PD there is the the RFA factor, of course. Yeah, of course, um, yeah. And I think there's also the bad future perspective, okay. if that makes sense, right? San Jose doesn't have much going for them in the future, right? Their top sure? scorer right now is Timo Meyer, who's great. He's 25. Uh, he's an excellent, excellent player. He's yeah. going to get paid in two years, right? Yeah. Um, Eric Carlson is making 11 and a half until 2027. Brent Burns is making eight until 2025. Um, Vlasic, add him in there too. Vlasic is making seven million until 2026. Um, and you guys like they've got Kevin LeBanc making yeah. five, almost five million dollars for the next few years, right? Like they are. Just, Couture, eight million for another six years. Wait, that's six years. I skipped that one because I didn't know it was that long. <laughs> yeah. So they've got, yeah, Logan Couture till 2027 at $8 million. He's already 32 years old and he's playing well. Um, but man, like they are, this is a team that is capped out that has no future, right? That's... Like they are, they're not a playoff team in the next few years um, unless they can somehow get out of all of these contracts and you throw this one out of the pile. Um, but Hey, if you're, if you're, if you're hurdle, you get to live in, in the Bay area. It's nice. Yep. It's expensive yep. to live, but you're getting paid really well. Um, it's warm. You know, it's 24 degrees every day of the year. Uh, but man, that is uh, that's a heck of a contract for him. That is rich. Wow. I'm just impressed that Wyatt got the attention of a, a player agent. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if the player agent just searches for JT Miller or something. That's true. That's that is true. that is odd. Um, Riddle is a good playoff performer, though. I'll, I'll give him that. Uh, for sure yeah you remember, he's played well i remember it's playing so well against vegas in those series and yeah okay san jose has been in the playoffs the last two seasons okay well well we'll see this is gonna have a ripple effect on not just miller and i on any ufas going forward it's crazy yeah um all right it is after 11 do you want to take a couple of questions here while we're sure. uh... Uh, one really quick one uh kelly yang Yankrock gets traded from Yankrock? seattle to calgary yeah i'm sure i just butchered his name like i do yeah, and, did. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> but Calgary, um, it, it's a good trade for both teams. Calgary is trying to make a run today. They get some. He's a center, right? They get some depth. And um, is he Seattle he's a winger. Okay, winger. And then Seattle he's, gets he's right wing. Two or three draft picks, which is what they want. Seattle sucks, so they they want more picks. So it's yeah, a, Yarn, this one could be a win win. Yeah, it's a it is a classic rental here. Uh, yeah. Yarn Croak. Uh, you know, expiring contract uh, of $2 million. So he's basically no hit on the cap for, mm -hmm. for a rental. Uh, he's had a really good year. The last two years, 49 games played in each of them, 28 points last year, 26 this year. Uh, that's a, that is a totally fine. That's yeah. a good three C to add to a, to a playoff a team. What they give up a second, a third and a seventh. 
um, which seems pretty fair. Um, look, the Kraken got they got to get out from these UFAs because yeah. man, they are not. They need some futures. They need to. They need to build. Not it's not a yeah. rebuild. They haven't built to start with. Um, but it's yeah, funny, I heard a, Dangle say that that seventh is really just a throw in. It just sounds better. You get we're getting three picks instead of two. Three picks. Obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a seventh <laughs> two years from now. Yeah, exactly. Like was that really a deal breaker? You're like, like, did who's who's hey, their man. GM? It's even? this trades version of the sixty five point one. That was the deal breaker. That that made the deal. Yeah, one right. It's like yeah, no, the second and third. It's good, but we need that. It's a, it's like an NHL. Um, when yes. you re- when you're just trying everything to get that trade to work, and you're like, yeah. uh, throwing a sixth. Yeah, uh, not enough. Okay, uh, maybe and a seventh. Okay, what if we take both those away, put a fifth in, and like you're just trying everything you yeah. can until it hits accepted, so you can get the absolute maximum value. Yeah. Uh, it's like what they did here. They were like, well, you are very close to what we're needing here, and that's <laughs> that mm-hmm. three year away seventh uh, rounder yeah. uh, was the ticket to get it done. And speaking of a long term, uh, a long time away, I just realized that I'm going to be 56 years old when uh, Hurdle's contract ends. <laughs> He's going to be 36. I'll be 56. That's how long that contract is for. I'll be in my 30s. Oh, tough life, Parker. Yeah, I'll be <laughs> broken by then. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, oh, Marjorie wants to talk about Travis Hamannick, and I think I mentioned uh, Hamannick a little bit um, mm. that he's on the trade board, which surprised me. Uh, he's the he's actually the second highest Canuck on the trade board, right behind Tyler Mott at twenty one, uh, Hamnick's at twenty two. Uh, I don't get it because Hamnick makes three year or three million dollars next year as well. Yeah. Uh, he's only played twenty two games this year. Uh, he hasn't been a super impactful piece. He's been fine, but at times he's been bad. Um, I mean, I'm of the opinion of. If someone offers you a seventh round pick for Travis, Ham- if someone says, Hey, we'll take Tra- Travis Hamnick and your seventh round pick. I say, okay, <laughs> that's thank you for the $3 million in cap space next year. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts there? Yeah. The Hamnick one, uh, I know he's got, a, I just looked up, he's got a modified no trade. So he's got eight teams that he won't be traded to. And yeah, this is the guy that said he only, he kind of limited himself. He said, I only want to play in Western Canada. I guess he's expanded that. A little bit. I yeah, I still uh, but, somehow got paid $3 million a year. Yeah. <laughs> but more importantly, Parker, I like your point of the fact that he hasn't been good. Um, I like him actually when I like it when he gets actually, he did have that, that point streak of three games or whatever. I like it when he gets pucks in the He's got a quick hard shot, but he was also, I remember that uh, was it the Tampa game where he was on the ice. There's one game where him and Hughes run the ice for the two goals. Yeah, it was a Tampa game. And, um, Sometimes he just doesn't play well. Other times he's okay, but certainly been disappointing so far. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, He's in the plus column at least, but keep in mind, he has only really played games since the team has been good. Yeah, that's true. He missed missed the bad times, basically. Maybe he's the reason everything's worked out. Yeah, maybe he's the reason why we're so good. (laughs) That's what it was. It wasn't the coaching change. It was Hamnick coming back. Um, Yeah, I mean... He's on pace for, you know, 14 points if he plays the rest of the games, which is fine. Um, he's got a couple of goals, which is fine. Yeah. Um, but, man, I don't think he's a $3 million player. Um, yeah. So uh, this, uh, this you'll like the segue. Benning signs Hamnick. Can you put on Kai's latest comment? Amazing how all of our average bad players get no trade clauses, no moves. How does Myers, Pearson, Hamnick? Jim Benning. Uh, that was the way he negotiated. He would try and get 
if you believe it or not, discounts on, on yeah. some of these players. By the discounts weren't even there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it is a no trade, no move clauses are things that smart GMs use in contending windows to get maximum value out of their cap. It's what yeah. the previous, uh, not the previous one, the previous one before that, the, the Gillis regime did, right? They said, yeah. well, hey, we'll give all of, hey, if you guys take less money and we'll be a contending team because we have this sort of vision of what everyone should make uh, and we'll allow you to sort of determine your future as well. Um, and that's something you can do. However, when you're a bad team, it handcuffs you. Yeah. Uh, I don't hate it for rentals. Uh, not rentals for like one years, right? Yep. The Halak one, for example, if that cap hit had been localized to this year, then I think, you know, a no move is fine, right? Uh, on a, on a one year deal. Cause you know, the guy wants to come here for a year. Uh, it just means you can't ship him off as a rental, but there's no downside really. Right. It's when you get into the longer term ones where one, you're hamstringing yourself because the cap hit is not favorable anyways, like mm -hmm. a Tyler Myers potentially, although he might somehow have positive value right now as well. Um, and then they throw that on there as well. And it's like, Hey, well now we really have no value here. Yes. Uh, and that's the, uh, that's the scary part. Wow. 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 No moves, trades, draft picks It's going to be a fun four. Yeah. Only five days to our next show. That's kind of exciting. Yeah. Five days, right? Yeah. I guess actually Monday. Monday night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Blitz also says, if you want a good laugh, look at the no moves and no trades the Sharks have. That's a good point. I wasn't on cap friendly when I was talking about them. Remember all, literally every single big contract we mentioned? That we named? Yep. Yeah, they all have modified no trade clauses. Uh, awesome. But the Car the Carlson and Vlasic ones are full no moves. Uh, wow. Yeah, they are in trouble. Um, and it is wow. funny. Because they're in the Canucks division. So if they want to stay bad, that is fine by me. Today's taking bads. San Jose stay bad. Anaheim take their time being good. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll take it. All right. So as we wrap up, I want let's just get it. Let's just get our our predictions. The next five days, we both think the Canucks probably win two games. Yeah. Right. We're in a similar boat there. Yeah. Um, what moves are made in the next? Like, what else happens in the next five days before the trade deadline? I'm going to go off the board, say it's not going to be a Tyler Mott move. It's going to be a, a small tinkering of a move with a mid guy that's not going to affect too much this year. I don't even know who that guy Give is. Give me a name. I need a name okay. for, for the okay. clip. Not, not Pullman, not, uh, they're not going to trade Dickinson. They can't get anything for him. They're going to trade Oh, they're going to trade Luke Shen for a, uh, to a contender for a uh, future. That's what they're going to do. It's hot take. I love it. That's... Uh, Man, I felt pressured, Parker. I must admit, I felt pressured. I, I, I like that you could get something uh, for Luke Shen too. Kai also asks under or over two and a half trades. I'm assuming by the Canucks. Uh, under. <laughs> I would put a lot of money on the under if you're going to be even odds on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I say, you know, I say most likely is I think something happens with Tyler Mott. Okay. Whether it's, I think he either gets extended or traded. And I don't think they just run to the end of the year. Um, but I think they do something to, to lock in the fact that they won't lose him for nothing would be my, my one move bet. That's fair. But, but people, Jasker saying Shen could fetch a lot if uh, first, if Sherat did, <laughs> you're not wrong. 
that's literally you if Sherratt can sure i think Sherratt has this weird although yeah luke shen has that same aura to him right the yeah the guy who throws seven hits a night and yeah. and and won two cups in a row and like he has all that he has all that too man if we're wow. talking about luke, if the Canucks get a, a first for luke shen i am i am in the i am going down to scott road that night but let's get the parade going that is that would be sick yes uh all right i think we'll wrap up there everyone uh thank you for joining us uh like i said monday will be the next one after the trade deadline at 10 p.m uh so make sure you're subscribed for that uh unless i have a hockey game which i don't know i i I might i'm not sure uh i hope not we might push it early we might push it late we might do it at 10 we'll see uh keep yourself posted uh clay i'll tell you last minute again i'm ready Um, uh, yeah, thank you guys very much for joining. If you missed any part of it, feel free to rewind back to the beginning or find the podcast version, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts are sick, and we'd love it if you would uh, go drop one of those for us. Um, otherwise, it is just nice to have you all here. Clay, any parting words for the evening? Give me a fun week between the three games, battling for a playoff position and the trade deadline. Can't wait to get it going. Can't wait to reconvene five nights from now. It will be a fun week. Uh, all right, folks. Thank you guys for hanging out with us and we will see you next time.